0: welcome to another episode of snot talk i am matthew soma joined by one of two good sabers fans austin brass what's going on matt how you doing i'm i'm doing great uh we just got back we had some barbecue for dinner tonight um just having a great time not gonna
1: lie ah uh, i'm lucky for you i uh, i spent my my day at a rink uh so it was the last day of Holinka camp today here so that was fun i uh, didn't think i'd be spending an 80 degree day at a ring today but uh, it was fun to do that and i did not have barbecue for dinner i will say that i had like just basic chicken <laughs> <laughs> flavorless flavorless chicken That's may what have I had. had some salt on it i like pretty much made it as quick as i could yeah
0: i get it i get it you know um how was the Halinka tournament i'm actually curious about that
1: um it was interesting so for those of you who don't know, uh, the like U seventeen, the Holinka camp that uh, so the USA developmental camp happens here in Western New York in the Buffalo area, actually right in the Northtown Center in Amherst. So for about, I would say, gosh, they've been doing this since the twenty third. So about five days, six days, they've kind of like kids have been here in the area. They formed about seven or eight teams and they kind of just played each other until they formed two teams. And then they kind of played each other the last two days and then to make the Holanka cup team. Um, first time watching this type of hockey, Matt, gotta be honest with you. Like, uh, usually I pick them up after the draft and just start watching like old USHL or end tape like that. So this is the first time I actually went to something live that was knew nothing about any of the kids that were, <laughs> that were there. Um, uh, minus a few of them. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, our colleague Jordan Millette is uh, writing for Puck Preps as well. So me and him would watch on hockey TV at night like games I missed and uh, things like that. So it was I I'd be honest with y'all. I, I think I threw out the invite to our uh, to our group chat today. I was like, it'd be fun for y'all to come down here. It was a lot of co- you walk into the arena. It was just like NHL scouts. Every college coach is there like and you're just sitting there. And it's just it's, <laughs> my 13 year old was just sitting there like this is so much pressure. Like, how do you play like this? (laughs) How do you do this? Like, there's a TV camera there. Like, these kids, some, most of these kids were just playing high school hockey. Um, I think the U.S. team is going to be pretty good. Now, um, for those of you who don't know what the Holinka cup is traditionally the u.s sends uh the non-ndtp uh players to this uh tournament and canada sends like their full roster so like we're usually in the u.s uh pretty big underdogs in this tournament but i do think this is one of the better one of the stronger years especially on the back end coming from the uh from the u.s team um jordan and i were debating cuts today um, I won't bore you all with that about like random names that you've never <laughs> heard of, but they are going to bring a very strong defensive core. And William Whitelaw, Quentin Musty are like Musty TV for, uh, for next year's draft, their potential first round pick. So it was a lot of fun though. Yeah,
0: it definitely seems like the, the Holinka is definitely the first real look we get at a lot of the draft prospects in their draft year. Obviously there's, well, more than likely, there's film from the year before that we can watch. But this is the first thing where they've had an off season to train. Now, you know they're starting to prep for the regular season. They get to play in this tournament, and it's it's the first look. It it isn't necessarily what I'd call like a like a banner tournament. Like I see it re- um, referenced all the time in scouting reports, and for me, it's a benchmark. I would use the Holinka tournament as, okay, this is where they're at now. And this is what they'll, and, and compare it to what they're like at the end of the year. How much did they think, improve? Did it see, you know, any growth or
1: did they kind of stay the same? I think it's country by country. And I think it's um, putting people on the map. Do you yeah. know, I think Canada is the only one where I look at it and be like, what's the pecking order of like, who, who, who stood out on the Canadian team because this is the only time we'll see their full roster, you know, like uh, in a tournament to see like who's actually dominating. But like this is what uh, put Cole Canubal on the map for me last year was I think he had like 10 points. He was the leading scorer in the Holinka for for the U.S. So I was like, oh, that's a player I need to check up on. And then I watched a September game in the NTTP. I'm like, oh, this is a good player. Um, You know, conversely, it happens with other players where I'm like, oh, you're pretty good in the Holinka. Oh, I don't like you anymore. (laughs) You know, so it's not, it's not, uh, but like, uh, what, who's the name? Gleb Trikazov on Russia. The the Holinka is where he made his mark last year. Like, no one knew about Gleb, and everyone was like, who is this guy on Russia? So it's, it puts your name on the map, but like, I think, like you said, it's just a benchmark.
0: Well, there's also, you know, like a perfect example as well is Slovakia. Philip Massar wasn't really on many people's radars beyond like a second round pick. And then after the Holinka, people started realizing, like, Oh, Hey, this kid could be a legitimate top, you know, six forward at the NHL level. He's got the skill. He's got the speed. So it can put I, players like that on the, on the radar, which I really like.
1: And it going through this process for the first time, at least in the U S sense, I was like, there should have been like that. Uh, I'll give a shout out to one of uh, Jordan and I's favorite Players was a a little small defenseman named Joy Sylvester. Like, gosh, I love that kid, but he's like five eight. Like, so I wish he would, he would, he won't get the bump, but I'm definitely gonna check him out. Um, but like some of the names, like Ty Hansen, I'm a huge fan of uh going on to this tournament uh from watching this week. Um, gosh, there's so many kids there going. It's gonna be a great crop of kids. But also, it's I thought watching the camp, if you have hockey TV, go watch some of the games. Like you'll find some players that you actually like that you might be able to track this year. A lot of these kids played U16 hockey, so it's going to be high school hockey, high school prep, maybe for them for the majority of the year. But like Ty Hansen played three or four games for Sioux Fall or Sioux City before winning a championship for them, you know? Like, so it's like you only get a small sample size before you actually get to the Holinka for most of these kids. Right. And I mean,
0: it's, it's an exciting time because I think Canada's coming back to the Holinka this year so we'll we'll finally get to see you know
1: (laughs) not gonna be fair
0: (laughs) well the thing is though we didn't get to see canada last year's hlinka and you know for me watching the whl i think the only dub skater at the hlinka then was pavel basharov and i do not like him at all um
1: so this year you get bedard so (laughs) i do
0: i i I might get Connor bedard i don't no, if he if he is on Canada's roster,
1: that's going to be very unfair. Oh, F- Fantilli and Bedard are definitely going to be on that roster.
0: That's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> Can you imagine?
1: <laughs> They're just going to take a dump all over every other team in that tournament. Oh, I know. Well, we it's could a- also see uh, Dalibor Dehorsky, couldn't we? Yep, we could. Well, he'll be. He should be there as well. So I mean, this is why I mean it's going to be fun. See- Canada should roll a lot of these teams like 10-1. But you get to see the pecking order of what Canada looks like in the draft year. So, Yeah.
0: So um, the other thing I want to touch on real quick, um, we don't really talk about the NHL too much on this podcast because it is a draft-focused podcast. But um, obviously today, uh, as we're recording this, there was a trade where Kevin Fiala got sent to the Kings in exchange for the 19th overall pick, as well as Brock Fader, doesn't really affect our mock draft that we're about to get into. Um, but it might, you know, kind of change up the way, you know, the, the top 20 shakes out because that's it's at the tail end of a top 20 Los Angeles has a very, very deep um, pipeline and Minnesota does not. So Minnesota now needs to add, you know, potentially a top player.
1: You know, it's uh, I love Matt. Excuse me. Um, I love Brock Faber, And um, I was going to say, I love Matt Boldy. I don't know why that was going to come out of my mouth. Um, well, you know, I mean, you said fair. Minnesota, Minnesota's uh, prospect. Pool. Um but you hit it on the head. I think one of the things Minnesota's got with uh, buying out a Parisi and Suter, they are under the gun for uh salary cap implications. And, uh, favorite was interesting is favorite side, go back to school. And I thought they were for sure going to be looking for a player that was going to play in this, this year. It's like a cheap player to kind of replace someone, but they went with long-term, uh, Brock favorite puck moving defenseman, right-handed shot, um, transitions the puck so well, offensive numbers really don't pop very much. Um, Jackson Lacombe is really the offensive catalyst on uh, the power play for Minnesota. Brock usually sits on the first pair as a kind of a transition uh, defensive player. But I mean, I think we were talking before the podcast, like it's safe to put him in your top four and project it because of his skating ability, his defensive ability, and the way he can move the puck. His point production is going to be kind of what makes your breaks, how people view him, though.
0: So I have a question then. Is Faber now their top defensive prospect? Um, I can read that out so. to you. With,
1: I, would, I mean, you. it's close between uh, who's on that one? Um, so
0: we've got Kalen Addison, these are players that I'm considering like legit top. The Carson players
1: Lambos players. is on that team, right?
0: Carson Lambos, Brian yeah. O'Rourke, O'Rourke, Damon Hunt, uh,
1: Marshall Warren. This is the other one. I love Marshall Warren, but he's uh, Damon Hunt. Uh, I mean, I would put him, he's a top right handed defenseman. I would say he's behind Carson Lambos. I, I love Kaelin Addison too. I would say him and Kaelin Addison are like 2A, 2B, um, however you want to put them. I would probably put Faber a little bit above because Addison hasn't cracked into it yet. But um, I think Carson Lambos, i put one. Um, and I love Damon Hunt. Um, so I really can't say anything bad about him either. So, <laughs> they so have
0: regardless, it. Um, it, it seems like Minnesota's adding a top three defensive prospect. If not, honestly, their forward prospect core outside of Marat.
1: Rossi. Marat. Um, Rossi's there still. He's technically a prospect. He'll go up next year for sure, though. Who is? Uh, uh, Rossi.
0: Oh, right. Marco Rossi. Adam Beckman um, is pretty decent. But... Really, I think that you're looking at, you know, their defense really shining through. I think they're swinging forward this year, don't you? I, I, I do. And we'll get to that when we get to the mock draft. I did have them taking a forward um, because right now it looks like Carson Lambos and Brock Faber are their top two prospects. So um, Faber for me, likely, in my opinion, his ceiling is a number three defenseman. Don't think he has quite the upside of a top two, but I think he's going to be a very good second pairing defenseman.
1: I don't disagree. I, I think we were discussing what what makes a top pairing defenseman right before this podcast. He I think he's not going to play on your power play. I think it'll be a stretch if he like I don't think I think he has a skill to do it. Let me put that. I just he hasn't done it at Minnesota. So um I would say he might be your top penalty kill. You know, he might be on there like it's one of your better defensive defensemen um, and puck moving defensemen, but I don't know if he's someone you want down a goal on the ice with, on the ice. You know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah, I was trying to think of like who I would. I, I kind of agree with you. I think in terms of who their top defensemen are um, or yeah. top prospects are. So, I mean, I'm excited for the trade. I thought it was a win win. I very rarely do. I think it's a win win. I thought that was a win win trade.
0: Yeah, I think you know Minnesota obviously got something for a player that they were never going to be able to keep. Um, And in all likelihood, Faber's able to play in the NHL at the end of his uh, college career.
1: Definitely. I mean, and truthfully, uh, as a Sabres fan, one of our biggest fears was that uh, Ryan Johnson was an LA boy and he was going to go play with Brock Faber in LA after and not sign with us. So him going to Minnesota, I mean, doesn't really help the cause too much because it's same state, but I don't know if it, if it makes a difference for Ryan Johnson signing or not
0: that is kind of interesting to think about because we're starting to see players like Devin Levi I believe did not sign this year there was one other that I Eric Portillo Eric Portillo also did not sign which was kind of interesting He was um, the one that worried me are players hesitant to sign with teams that maybe no, uh, um, this isn't a dig at the Sabres because I'm also going to throw like Arizona and uh, Montreal in here as well. Teams that seem to be very just consistently bad right now, or Ottawa. Ottawa's the player <laughs> or the team, not Montreal. Are they maybe worried to sign with those teams because that they haven't been competitive in a while? Because you look at the Sabres and they really haven't had a clear vision you look at the Senators, and, I mean, who knows? That team, I think, is on the up and up, but then you look at the Coyotes. I can't think of a single player that's going to want to play in a hockey rink. Like, basically, like, say you're trying to get a player from college to come play in the NHL, but he's playing in a college rink for a team that more than likely will be bottom of the league again. Like, I, I wonder if that's going to be a factor at the draft. We don't usually see players say, hey, do not draft me. That usually
1: stops in junior, but I'm wondering if that can happen. You know, I, um, I think a lot of it in Buffalo has to do with um, what the roster looks like in front of the player. You know, I think Portillo was looking at Levi and uh, UPL, Uka Pekalukanen, you know, and saying like, hey, there's two young goalies here and Levi just almost won um, – the Mike Richter award and put up almost a nine, five, zero, uh, save percentage. Like <laughs> why would I give my, why, why sign now? Do you know what I mean? Um, he was the one that's concerned me the most because Michigan went for it last year and they're kind of retooling this year. So I don't think his numbers are going to be better than they were last year. So, um, kind of like the Jack LaFontaine scenario for you, uh, with, with the hurricanes. Um, yeah. and, and then we got, um, I mean, Ryan Johnson has Samuelson just took, like, that third pairing spot and just put a squeeze on it. So you got Darlene, Power, and Samuelson on the left side. Like, Johnson's either – someone's – now, theoretically, uh, Kevin Adams has said he's going to talk to Johnson at the draft again. So he hasn't formally decided he's going back. But, I mean, unless they move Samuelson to his offhand side, like, he's kind of shut out on the left-hand side. And then, you know, I think Levi just wanted to go back. I think Levi's – he's coming back. I think he just – said hey i had such a great year i want to do it again uh, and we're gonna have a great recruiting class like they struggle to put goals and i don't think they're gonna have that problem this year um but you yeah. make good points like you know it's always a concern with all these prospects is like uh especially ncaa ones that you take in the mid rounds like they get good their senior year like oh gosh <laughs> like they could just not sign with you and just go right to free agency like um It's happened to us before. Uh, Kel Peterson was uh, the last one that's happened to us when he went to L.A., the goalie. Um, Don't know what's ever happened to Carolina for you.
0: Uh, Well, Adam Fox. (laughs) Uh, Well, to be fair, though, that wasn't a player we drafted. Um, We traded for Fox in the hopes that we'd be able to sign him. Didn't work. Then we traded him away.
1: Uh, That's what we do with Jimmy VC too. So I I understand that one.
0: I mean, VC hasn't been a good NHL player. (laughs) We... We, um, God, what, what can I think of, I mean, it worked out for the Canes in a way because they got Jamison Reese, Anthony Honka and Noel Gundler. So those are three solid players, but none of them are going to be Fox's caliber. Um, I know. yeah. Northeastern is going to be solid. They've got Vinnie Borghese, oh. uh, Excuse me, Jackson Dorrington, Michael Fisher, and Cameron Lund coming in. Those are some of like the big names. They've also got like a couple transfers that I really like. So Cam
1: Lund. People are, don't sleep on Cam Lund, everyone. I love him. Yeah, I think he's
0: going to be a good pick as well. So do you want to get to the mock draft now?
1: Let's go to it.
0: All right. So the way we did this is I started with the first overall pick, and we just alternated. We didn't pick teams because, you know, that would be kind of silly. So it's just going to go me, Austin, me, Austin. We'll explain our picks as we go. We'll give our takes on the other pick if we choose to. It's going to be nice and simple. And, of course, as always, this is exactly how the draft is going to shake out. (laughs) You can place your bets now. There are going to be no differences. I can
1: guarantee you that. So the biggest difference between this mock draft and the one we did for SMOT is the one we did for SMOT was like we were in control of those teams and doing and trying to build through it. And this was the one where we were trying to guess like what each team was going to do while also picking maybe a player we liked.
0: Yeah. And also for in fairness, for some of my picks, I was also on my honeymoon and uh, wasn't always available. (laughs) So you're talking um, for
1: the the smart draft yeah
0: for the smart draft i i uh there were a few picks that uh josh picked bpa because i just wasn't available (laughs) so first overall the montreal canadians make the right selection (laughs) by selecting shane Wright. boo i i know I, (laughs) i i just think that this is the correct pick The the worst thing that Montreal can do at this draft, and really with their entire offseason, is galaxy brain it and try and pick somebody that they shouldn't. And I'm not saying that Slavkovsky is going to be a bad player, but I think Wright
1: is going to be the better player in the long term for that team. I do think that people are just... uh manufacturing a controversy before the first pick or do you think this is legit like you know how like usually they do you remember even like the mcdavid draft they were trying to hype up eichel like uh like like oh eichel could be like do you feel like this is legitimate i mean i know what i think uh,
0: about is the um the debate between nico heischer and nolan patrick and nolan patrick for the whole even from like Back as far as 2016, Nolan Patrick was considered the guy for the 2017 draft. And then, of course, with him, it was injuries, but I'm also going to use the fact that Wright didn't have a season last year. And so both players, you know, not the similar situation, but, you know, kind of there are some similarities and then he sure comes on strong. And then eventually will he got drafted first overall and has ended up a slam dunk for being better than Nolan Patrick. I wouldn't say he's the best player in that draft. That belongs firmly to Kyle McCarr. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think it's not necessarily manufactured. I do think there is some, like, truth to the fact that people are just tired of talking about Shane Wright and so they may be looking for holes in his game that aren't there. You know?
1: Yeah. And uh, honestly, for those of you listening to this, uh, that was a hundred percent me taking a take uh, with that manufactured question. <laughs> no, I think it's a legitimate question. I, um, I just don't think it's um, I think it's a lot more recency bias and competition based, like uh, look what Sofkoski does against men, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, Shane Wright has just not like, he just hasn't had that opportunity. It's when you don't have that opportunity to play at the World Championships, or you don't have the opportunity to play at the Olympics, like you can't hold that against someone. But at the same point, you also can understand why people look at what Sulkovsky's done and just been like, okay. Like, and then we're not even talking about Logan Cooley, um, who we put at number two on our own board. But it just seems that has become the question for the one, the number one pick uh, has been Shane Writer, Uri which will take us right into pick number two, which is well, your actually topic. I was also
0: going to, I had one more thing to say Go
1: for it. if that's, if that's cool. Um,
0: you also look at Montreal's centers and they have Nick Suzuki, who's firmly their number one right now. And I don't see that changing, which may cause Montreal to look for the wing. I seriously doubt they will, but then Christian Dvorak is their number two C and, He's okay, in my opinion. I don't love Christian Dvorak. But then it drops to Jake Evans. So you're guaranteed with Shane Wright. You're guaranteed a better third line center next year, and that's undoubtedly going to help that team um, because. And the Canadians' depth
1: is just not great. No, and you. And truthfully, if you want to keep Shane Wright in the ohl for an extra year i'm not even opposed to that either uh to be honest with y'all like uh it's it's i think he's the best player i think he made the right pick i think that it's a it's not even a luxury pick it's uh now you just see how he develops you know uh as someone who just witnessed owen power go through uh not coming over for his um d plus one year and playing in michigan like it was the right move for him you know absolutely so so if Go through development camp, see what's right for them. Don't rush them. You don't, I wouldn't say you have to put them in the NHL, but um, 100%. I would say you've made the right pick there, man.
0: I, uh, yeah, I'm a little
1: biased. So. so, you want me to go with number two? Absolutely, go ahead. All right, New Jersey selects Yuri Slokoski. We just talked a lot about him. Uh, for me personally, I want him over Logan Cooley simply because I think it's a luxury pick. Uh, for New Jersey, they won the lottery. They have Nico Heesh they have Jack Hughes um that throwing one, one on the winger w- i was gonna say you can make one of them a winner or you can just grab a left left winner for for one of those two uh to me if i was new jersey i'm trading out of this pick maybe back a, a space or two trying to get something out of it but uh you know if not grab a guy who i, I like Yuri are too like I, th- I really do think he's gonna be a good nhl player I think watching him, the biggest question I have is, is he a 200-foot transition player or is he an offensive zone dominating force? You know, uh, he's got a great shot, plays really well, pulls the puck off the boards very well, battles really well. Um, If I were picking the number one player in this draft based off off of personality alone and the way he answers interview questions, I'm taking Yuri Sokoski. He's hilarious. Um, But I don't know. I I feel like New Jersey can do a lot worse than going with Yuri Sokoski and giving Jack Hughes or Nico Hecher a left-winger for them to play with.
0: Yep. No argument here. Um, I'm going to move to number three, which is where I went off the board a little bit. I think Arizona is going to take David Yurichek. I think that's a team that as of right now, um, and this one I did research on because I'm going to be honest with you. I do not know anything about the Arizona Coyotes. Other than they suck. And they that's need it. a player that can play in the NHL today. And I think Yurichek can. Their defense right now is a bunch of guys and Jacob Chikrin, and their defensive prospects are Cam Denine, and I think he's pretty much washed at this point. Uh, at twenty-four, I don't think you're getting much more out of him, in my opinion. Um, Vladislav Kolyachonok might be something. Victor Soderstrom. I think – I I still think he could be decent, but I'm not going to, like, sit here and, you know, bang the <laughs> table for him.
1: I, I was about to say, can I be honest? I love them as a prospect. Haven't watched him on the Coyotes. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, That is really it, though. Um, This is a team in desperate need of a defenseman. They're in desperate need of everything, but I think with Cooley, you're getting a player who – Oh, man, they, they need so many players the more i'm looking at this the more i realize like arizona can't go wrong with either player between cooley or urichek because they just don't have anything i
1: i think i'm gonna be honest with, with you you yeah when i had arizona for the smart draft um I thought your your thought process right there was everything I've just thought I went through. Um, where I was like, I'm either taking a right hand defenseman or Logan Cooley. Like that's where I'm going with this. Like, cause they need so much. Um, the other thing I really liked about this, Matt, was that like there is no way I, I don't know how long you've been following the draft, but like everyone who mock drafts the same three forwards going one, two, three, it's not gonna happen. Uh, this draft has way too much variance. Simon Nemish could easily find his way up into number two I debated Nemesh or Sokosti at two but to me it would have been I I agree with you it's right hand defenseman or Logan Cooley and and smart I took Logan Cooley because I was like they're gonna tank for Bedard or Fantale next year anyways like they can go get their top two centers the next two years and go from there but what you just did was just kind of give them their number one defenseman along Chicharron and we can go from there real quick give me one second So, Austin,
0: you had number four, and that was Seattle.
1: Yeah, we can be quick with this one. Uh, Seattle doesn't know what to do because you just gave us Logan Cooley. Uh, They were planning on taking what was left over between Nemesh and Juracek. However, they have no prospect pool. Matthew Beniers is a great center. Yanni Gord is a great third-line center for Tampa. Is he really a second-line center? I don't really know. I don't know how you can't go wrong, put in 10 years of a one-two down the middle of Beniers Cooley, so I'm taking Logan Cooley at number four.
0: Remind me, is Simon Nemich a uh, left-handed defenseman or a right-handed? He's right-handed. He's right-handed. Okay. I was going to make a joke about um, Ron Francis only taking puck-moving left-handed defenseman um, with his first-round picks because... We had Hayden Fleury, Noah Hannafin, and Jake Bean in back-to-back-to-back drafts. And as you can tell, those picks worked out fantastically for the Carolina Hurricanes, all three of which are on new teams now. So I'm actually a little surprised that you went with the correct pick in Logan Cooley because I, I know Ron Francis and it worries me. <laughs> if so if an- Kevin
1: Korczynski goes number four, I know, I know why. Thanks, it Matt. would
0: not surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> um, I picked Cutter Gauthier at fifth overall because he, it was it was either between Gautier or Geeky for me because those just scream Philadelphia picks. Ultimately, I decided to go with Gautier because I feel like he's the better, more projectable player.
1: Flying up draft boards, the second they said he was going to play center at Boston College, it feels like he went from top 15 to top 10. So I uh, can completely understand that he's a hitter. He just reminds you of like the seventies Philly, uh, Philly teams uh, size, grit hitting finishing. So number six with the pick that uh, Columbus got from Chicago for Seth Jones, they rub it in Chicago's face a little bit and take another right-handed defenseman Simone Nemish. <laughs> um, a little bit a little bit surprised to Nemish has fallen out of the top five, but we are okay with that. I don't say our mock draft is bad. I really do think this could happen. Nemish, great puck moving defenseman, uh insanely aggressive in the way he approaches the game. Um, great in the zone. Um in my own, the only reason I had Juracek over Nemish in my own rankings was I thought Nemish really benefited from his activation strategies. I thought Juracek had a little bit more skill. But I think Nemesh is a great puck-moving top-four defenseman who's going to be sitting on your power play one getting a bunch of points.
0: Yeah, I I think Nemesh, you know, there is some risk associated with him. And really, after Wright and Slavkovsky, I think there's risk associated with every player. And even even then, those two players, you know, this is a draft where it honestly kind of sucks if you win the lottery because you're not getting like a marquee-level talent. You're getting a very good player, but you're not getting like a true, you know, top of the lineup, all star, you know, 80 to 100 point player. In my opinion. So at seven, I picked arguably the best goal scorer in the draft and Joachim Kamel. Um, To me, I don't know if he's an Ottawa pick because he is really small. Uh, I know he doesn't really play like that, but. We've seen how Ottawa has been with their recent drafts, taking a lot of big players that are physical and not a ton of smaller guys. So I am a little curious to see how that works out for if that happens with Ottawa, because I debated Connor Geeky here.
1: Ah, you made a good pick. I'm just going to say that, uh, Jordan, if you don't like it, uh, we don't care. And two, <laughs> um, you know, I... Ottawa's a tough one to, to really assess this year. Um, because you don't know what they're gonna do. No, and you know, like if you're going historically, I think Marco Casper would have been like uh, like a type of Ottawa pick, like let's go bang around some guys. But like I don't know if that's gonna be their mantra going forward, given the, the backlash they've gotten over the last couple drafts of who they picked, um, based off of just physicality and size, you know. Um, but I don't know. I anything else you want to say about Kamel? Because I don't have, he's a great pick. I he falls right in line where I would take him.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: no, I think we're good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a little spicy at eight. Um, <laughs> so at eight, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. I feel like the number one question uh, every Detroit fan always has is who's going to play second-line center behind Dylan Larkin. Um, and this year, I think they're going – and Steve Eisenman never goes on the board, I feel like. Um, so he's going to go off the board. So I feel like it's going to me. I debated Marco Casper in the end. I was like size, offensive ability, real spicy to get Matt involved. I went Connor geeky at number eight. Um, Look, if the skating improves, the skating, the skating, the skating will improve. He go fly. He can work down the center. He's got a skill for days. He can finish. Uh, He's not bad defensively. It's really going to be, can he transport pucks up and down the ice at the center position? Uh, So, yeah, Matt, Connor Geeky at number eight. I stick by it.
0: That's bold, man. Because for me, I see a lot of Morgan Geeky in Connor Geeky's game. And that doesn't excite me. Because Morgan Geeky is a bottom six NHL player. And a lot of those issues with pace – are still there his offense has not been able to translate at the nhl level he has a wicked shot but with Connor geeky the biggest concern for me is is he going to be hard on pucks is he going to be able to transport the puck up the ice like you said to me i view him more as a winger i i don't see him carrying the puck up the ice creating that space because For me, it's just, he's inconsistent and it worries me because once the competition gets bigger and he's not able to be a physically dominant player at at the level he's playing at anymore, how is he going to
1: adapt? Is he going to be skilled enough? And I, I really don't know. I would conversely, since I made the pick would say that I think he's skilled enough. I think it's going to be a lot of one-touch passing. I think it's going to be a lot of small-area skill. I think it's going to be a lot of um, of finding loose pucks and moving them to the right where they need to go. Um, I I would conservatively say he's a he's a left winger um, in the NHL. But if he, I mean, gosh, you want to take a swing and at, at the center position right now? I would say at six foot four and with his skill set, you just hope that gosh, uh, Detroit can, can get a skating coach in front of him to get him up up to speed. So,
0: And Detroit can afford to do this, I think. Um, and I could see Geeky going well before Savoy in this draft. Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of the player, um, but I admit that he is likely to go before Savoy. Speaking of Matthew Savoy, don't, I screw up, don't
1: screw up this pick, Matt.
0: I picked Matthew Savoy ninth overall to Buffalo. I felt that Buffalo, you actually corrected me. I was going to go with Kevin Korchinski, but um, I did forget that both Power and Darlene are left-handed defensemen as well. So there's really not a space for Korchinski in the top four on that blue line. And both of those players are likely going to be there for a while. So, I decided to go with Matthew Savoy, even if he's a winger at the NHL level. I think great pick. Yeah, I, I think that you're getting that Buffalo is getting the most exciting player in this draft class and a player that could legitimately make that team better next. Not next season, but maybe the season afterwards.
1: Biggest question on the Buffalo depth, uh, depth chart is, is Dylan Cousin a second line center, a center and right-handed defenseman, right-handed defenseman uh, went off the board. So getting a, a player who, that can play on the wing who also might be able to challenge for that, that top six uh, center position. Great pick, Matt. No complaints here.
0: I was going to say, um, who is the next
1: best right-handed defenseman on the board? Uh, I mean, our board or like, who do you think will go next? That's the I would say Seamus Casey, hands down. Uh, I think a lot of people might say Ryan Chesley is the next person, that, or I was say,
0: There are really not a lot of right-handed defensemen in this draft class. All of the all of the um, players you've got: Korchinski, Minchukov, and Matecha, Um, They are all left-handed shots. I'm looking at Pickering because I just can't remember off he's the top left. of my head. Is he also left? Yeah, yeah. he's left. He's left-handed, so there are so many good left-handed defensemen in this draft class, but no right-handed defensemen.
1: And look, I don't care about handedness, but clearly the NHL does. So nice. that means I have to care about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's go with number uh, 10. Number 10. So
1: I, I I don't want to make people feel like I talked Matt out of Korchinski so I could take Korchinski for Anaheim, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's what ended up happening. Um, I feel just feel like looking at Anaheim's death chart, um, they traded Josh Manson. Um, not Josh Manson's a right-handed defenseman. I know that, but you know, they used to be pretty stacked at the, at the defenseman position, um, really kind of thin recently. So to me, it felt like a good chance, uh, good position to take Kevin Korchinski who has been skyrocketing up draft boards the last couple months. Look, I love Kevin Korczynski. I thought he was always a great offensive, uh, defenseman. Um, some passing decisions early in the year were really kind of skeptical. If you look at Matt's uh scouting report of Korchinski, you can see my my quote where he went like one for nine in a couple of the games I was watching. Um, but over there the in the playoffs, I thought he was outstanding. Um, his puck skill is fantastic. He is activation strategy is great. When he goes left to right on the blue line and then pivots, I not I don't think there's a better move that any defenseman has in this draft class. So I think Anaheim gets a good offensive defenseman. Um, his own zone work, uh, defensive zone, is going to need a little bit of work, but you know, I think his offensive zone's worth a top 10 pick.
0: Yeah, no arguments here. I, I did not like him at the beginning of the year, and then I grew to love him. And 10th is he could sneak into the top 10, like a little higher into the top 10, but I think the 10 to 15 range is probably safe for him. Number 11, I... I admittedly went for the uh what's it called the connection with (laughs) William Eklund picking Jonathan LaKaramaki I I just think that it gives San Jose a legitimate one-two punch um you've got Eklund who can do a bit of everything in the offensive zone and then you've got LaKaramaki who is a pure goal scorer I think that's going to be huge
1: I mean, if they really get with Keramaki, their draft class from the last three years is going to be ridiculous. And yeah, they
0: they they have drafted very well: um,
1: Gustian, Coe, Co, Eckland, Karamaki, That's ridiculous. They're going to be they're going to be real good coming up. Yeah. You want me to go with Columbus? I, I think you should. So I took Simone Nemesh at six for Columbus earlier. So I'm going forward here with Columbus. Um, I'm going to go a little bit uh, off the smart board and go more with the mainstream hype with Marco Casper. Uh, Those of you who aren't familiar with Marco Casper, played left wing in the SHL this past year, um, has center capabilities, uh, just a motor like no other in the SHL, Uh, will go out, hit people, always 100%. Biggest question is, does his skill level translate to a center position or is he kind of capped out at what his skill level is and he'll kind of play as a great energy line uh, left winner? You know, personally, uh, you know, I, I defer to Josh and Mikkel when we were looking at this. And then when I kind of went back and watched him, because a lot of Sabres uh, fans are, are really talking about Casper in the top 10 for uh, number nine for us. And I see Casper as a left winner, um, which – to me, dev- devalues him a little bit Um, to about the, the 16, the 28 pick for us. Um, but a lot of savers Twitter see him as a, as, a, as a center in the top 10. So, you know, at Columbus at 12, kind of hit that middle ground of, hey, if he's a center, great. If he's a winner, fantastic. You know, Nemesh, Casper, I think you could do a lot worse than that for Columbus coming out of this uh, first round of the draft. I agree.
0: So for the 12th overall pick, I went off the board, I think even further than you did. Um, picking Giri Kulich, who is a center. Um, in my opinion, when he is ready for um, the NHL, it's going to be a perfect time because the Islanders are a weird team. They, they're still going to have cap issues. It's going to be a struggle to try and keep Barzell because I do think he's going to command like, if not the same amount of money, then a decent amount more. And Brock Nelson is only getting older, you know, he's, he's 30 right now. By the time Coolidge is ready, he's probably gonna be 32, 33. So their prospect pool is not great. Um, (laughs) Really no centers worth uh, mentioning other than Aturati. And yeah, so
1: I loved it. Um, I've, I was actually watching NHL Network last night and in the background of writing something for another website and overheard uh, like they were talking the NHL draft. I don't remember who the person who was on if they're listening, but they're like number one person who will go in the top 15. That's a hot uh, hot take, Yuri Kulich. So I was like, Matt, you, you hit it on the head. <laughs> he had yeah. a great world juniors, or excuse me, uh, U18s. Uh, I thought he really showed out well there. And I also think Czech
0: players are a little more underrated because not many people watch Czech hockey games. Um, it's a bit of a strange league just in the sense where I feel like a lot of players from the Czech leagues are unknowns, but he's worth a shot in my opinion, especially if he can stay at center. I think it's something the Islanders really need. You William
1: William DeForest having a, Fantastic uh Memorial Cup had a great year as well And the right wing for new for the islanders. Having another person who can put the puck in the net like Coolidge can is only gonna help them. Um Winnipeg, who needs everything. So I did not know what to really do for them. I went with to my own board for this one. I felt like he was falling a little too far. I took Frank Nazer uh from the US NTP program. Um, you know, they used to have a do you, I remember when they like uh, for officially traded for um was it Dubois 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 like that everyone was bragging about the Jets uh center depth and now it seems like everyone's questioning the Jets uh center depth so I went with hey let's take a guy who arguably one of the best skaters in the draft uh was a fantastic center with Gavin Brindley and Isaac Howard in the U18s um only question mark for him is size uh people qu- sometimes question his offensive zone passing distribution I do not question that at all I think he's fantastic in that essence um biggest question for me is just size and kind of just how long it's going to project for him to get to the NHL I usually think it's going to take him about two to three years before he really gets there um because I do think he's going to have to figure out how to manipulate defenses through the neutral zone but you know Frank Nazer at What are we at? 14. Fantastic for for Winnipeg as a a high upside swing as someone I have in the top 10.
0: So at number 15, Vancouver makes a really shrewd pick here. Um, Patrick Alvin, I think, has made a lot of really good moves so far as GM, obviously getting Andre Kuzmenko. I think this is the team that drafts the first Russian player in this draft, drafting Danila Yurov.
1: I mean... (laughs) <laughs> it's a crap shoot i love it <laughs> someone had to be the first one to take a russian that was playing overseas i was glad you were the first one to do the 15 i mean it seems like a vancouver pick this is another team that
0: could use like some legit prospect help and he's he's their guy
1: uh, i don't I... have anything else to say <laughs> look I, the only thing i have to say about you neil Dar- uh daniel your office i thought he was a top five pick coming into this year um his MHL tape was really good. He barely played in the KHL. He's kind of an enigma to me. I think people who hype him up as a top five pick, I get it. People who have him as a bottom third of the first round, I get it. So I like the home run swing you're you're, you're making there for the Canucks. Um, I have the Sabres at 16, um, and I am proud to select uh, Brad Lambert at number 16. And I would run around the room right now and scream if it wouldn't turn people off. I have Brad Lambert at number four on my own board for the Sabres. Uh, Look, I get the Liga tape. Uh, It's confusing at best. It's worrisome at worst. Um, But when you turn on the U20 tape and you kind of see him play against his own age group and kind of see him uh, play in a less restrictive environment, with a a transition game that filters right through him and not having him play off puck so much, uh, he was utterly uh, dominant. I mean, he had five points in the first two games of the World Juniors. He was almost a point-per-game player in the U-20 friendly games he played in the spring. Um, Every single time he was touching the puck, it seemed like good things were happening. He's insanely fast. He's got great size, his skills to die for. Um, Really what people are going to question is what what can he do inside the uh, offensive zone? In terms of uh, decision making, but truthfully, uh, against his own age group, it was not a problem. You know, uh, I've talked to a few people, and I, I would put myself in this group as well. If he had gone to Saskatoon this past year, I would firmly put him at over one hundred points this season, uh, and he would have been one of the top producers, if not the top producer in the WHL for twenty twenty two draft eligible players. Like, I just think he was just playing playing in a, a league that didn't suit his best interest, or He was playing in a league whose structure didn't suit his best interests. And, look, I give him credit. He he put in a lot of effort. I would never question his effort, but, you know, he's volatile in this draft, and I am 100% in on Brad Lambert.
0: So for Nashville at 17, I took Denton Matejchuk, and the only reasoning I'm going to give for this is Nashville has this weird ability to develop the crap out of defensemen so this just makes sense to me
1: look, if there's I, one
0: team that can tame him it's nashville
1: i don't want i don't want him to be tamed i want someone i want him to be unleashed that's a little i that look when you picked him for nashville i was like the roman yossi and him are hilarious that they're going to be on the same team so uh i love denton matechuk with all my heart he's He's my third-ranked defenseman in this class. You're not going to talk me out of him ever. So uh, I was very happy to see you put him on Nashville and, and defenseman you over there.
0: And your pick at number 18 is just as spicy.
1: Pavel! <laughs> Pavel Mintiukov, Uh Look, I think Dallas has hit home runs recently uh, at the forward position. Uh, Wyatt Johnson, um, Logan Stankoven, Maverick Bork, like they have a great forward group coming in. They're going to lose John Kleinberg this summer, which leaves Miro Heiskinen as kind of like their last defenseman there. I think there's a player in Pavel Mentiukov. I think you, you talk about taming, just tame Pavel's urge to hit everyone in sight. Um, and I think you have a great player in the offensive zone, fantastic player. You know, I uh, I group Pavel, Denton, and um, – um oh, shoot, I'm forgetting his name. Pavel, Denton, and Korczynski all – all together all year and he was usually the last one just because he played so conservatively five on five but i think if you unleash him you got a heck of a player there in pavel matukov yeah um i'm not as big of a fan
0: of pavel um but i can see how dallas might be an option for for him <laughs> i picked so so this one i originally made this pick with la being the team to select But then I, when it was announced today that Minnesota was getting this pick, I I really felt like I didn't have to change it, and that was Liam Ogren um, for the Minnesota Wild. Felt like it's a solid pick. The Wild need a lot of prospects, and this was a good pick.
1: I enjoy Liam Ogren. He's probably the one player who skyrocketed up my board once I started looking at Europeans after the U.A. So at uh, number 20, I took uh, Isaac Howard. From the nttp uh had a fantastic u18s um he's someone that had um started off the year a little bit lower for me um mainly because of passing decisions and uh zone uh rush lane or excuse me transition rush lane choices he would make sometimes we were very much uh i would almost say a little bit selfish but you know going into the u18s i thought his was off puck um rush lanes were fantastic i thought he was able to find space real well he is, he's a little undersized, which is why I think he goes at the 20 range. If he were a couple inches bigger, I think he's a, a top 15 pick, but his skill is really good. He can finish. He makes great passes. Um, you know, any concerns I really had at the beginning of the year were were kind of erased as the year kind of went on. Um, so Isaac Howard goes to Washington. Hopefully, you know, it feels like poor Washington feels like they've been hit with the injury bug. Um, and, you know, Pour some out to Nicholas Backstrom, who was my first favorite player that was not a Sabre player. Um, So I hope he gets better. Hope us to see him again if he retires, though. I love you, Backstrom. You're you're amazing.
0: All right. Um, I cannot say the same thing as somebody who's played against the Washington Capitals in the Southeast and Metropolitan Divisions now. I have no love for Backstrom. (laughs) Um, I picked Philip Massar. For the Pittsburgh Penguins. I just feel like Pittsburgh is one of those teams that always makes like smart picks. They never really draft often, but they make smart picks. And I think this is a smart pick.
1: I love Philip Michard. He's, uh, I was like kind of pounding the table in the mid draft, in the mid uh excuse me, in the December rankings for him uh, to be like top 10. So, look, in the 20s, fantastic steal. Um, so I have um Anaheim at 22. I took a defenseman to Korczynski at 10. So I was looking to maybe take a little bit more of the excitement, take a little bit more risk. Um, not in the Trevor Ziegris, <laughs> not in the Trevor Ziegris vein, but uh take one of the more skilled boomer bust players in this draft, uh, Noah Ausland, out uh, in the uh, Swedish J20 league. Uh had a fantastic U 18s. Uh we Mikhail has pumped him up all year uh, i've been watching highlights of him all year and then kind of watched a few games starting about March, and kind of caught about 10 games of him you know of all the jurgen and players which include ogren and Lakaramaki, i understand why people say he's the riskiest of all because he really is just a playmaker who is a little bit undersized and also is not a blazer um but gosh he makes everything happen for that team so you know i will take the engine of a line of a of a team that's going to put three first round draft picks out here in Osland. Um, you know, Ogren was my favorite watching it. I think he's the most NHL projectable of all of them. But if Osland hits at center, especially, Oslin's could be one of the steals of the draft. They have three firsts. Jurgenen? Jurgenen will oh, have. Oh, 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 okay. Jurgen we'll have Sorry. uh Karamaki. Um I thought you were Odilius, talking about Cali Odelius goes too we make it at four.
0: You're right. You're right. I thought you were talking about yeah. Anaheim for a second. Sorry.
1: No, I'm sorry.
0: At 23, I picked Jagger-Ferkus uh, for St. Louis. I think he might actually fall into the second round. I think there is a good bit of recency bias with Ferkus, but I really liked his play in the playoffs, especially considering he was up against way better competition in the Winnipeg series. I thought he was one of Moose Jaw's best players. And I think he also had a really uh, good interview at the combine. Like he seemed to be a really good personality. People seemed to like him and
1: people I don't love know, the mustache. I, let's
0: start there. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, based on that, he should be going first overall, you know? So uh, no, in all seriousness, I think it's a good pick for St. Louis. Um, they're also towards the back half of the league when it comes to prospect pools. So
1: Yeah, and truthfully, uh, they've taken a lot of heavy players recently, and I think getting some skill, even though he's a little bit undersized in the offensive zone, I thought – you said Jaeger, now I'm saying Jaeger. Jaeger Fergus was uh, fantastic for Moose Jaw, and, you know, a fantastic shot. Like, I I, I really do think – I don't think there's a better uh, wrist shot that's in terms of accuracy. He does have a little bit of power behind it too, so – I mean, it's a little bit different than what St. Louis does, but I think it's exactly what they need.
0: Well, congratulations to the St. John Sea Dogs on winning the Memorial Cup. By the way, that just happened.
1: Oh, I was about to say that at the end of this. I love St. John, um, Minnesota Soft spot
0: for them uh, because the Sea Dogs were basically like the junior Hurricanes because we had uh, Spencer Smallman, Callum Booth, and Julian Gauthier on that team all at once. Uh,
1: when they had Joshua and Brady Burns, I was a huge fan of them. They were terrible. I'm just so glad they just two years <laughs> later now it, it was awesome. This is awesome. Yeah. Um. So Minnesota's second pick. Um. First pick, they took Liam Ogram. We're gonna take a little bit. I really don't have much to say. I'm gonna take Ivan Oreshchenko. I'm a, he's, uh he's. I heard a report from I think Praman tweeted it today that he's gonna show up at the draft. Um, who knows what his, uh, medical diagnosis is, how well he's doing with his cancer treatment. I'm hoping he's doing very well. Um, he was a consensus top 10 pick. He wasn't playing that well at the beginning of the year, but we don't know if that was because of, he wasn't feeling well. Um, so I'm going to take a shot with that at Ivan Marashenko and, you know, two first round draft picks. It's a lottery ticket. I'm going to try and cash it in.
0: Number 25, And this is something that I feel like Toronto fans would hate this. Hear me out though. Like Austin, we both love this player, but I feel like a lot of fans in Toronto would not like this pick because of his size. But I have Toronto picking Lane Hudson because I feel like whenever Toronto makes a pick, Kyle Dubas always takes like the smart or best player available
1: they don't pick often, but they pick good players. I know when they took Matthew Nye's last year, I'm like, what do they know about him that I don't know? Um, <laughs> I, he said I, a look, lot. He's pretty I, good. I, I love this pick for Toronto. Um, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if it's a confirmed report at this point or not, but did you hear the, the rumors or at least reports that Wayne Hudson was going around saying that a doctor said he's going to grow two more inches? um that's <laughs> for his interview combine if that's i mean look that is the that's only the, thing uh... keeping it's the only thing keeping him out the out of the top 10 he's five eight if he grows <laughs> to five eleven 510 like he's he's one of the best offensive defensemen that's come out since kyle McCar in terms of skill level and what he's able to do in the offensive zone um he's not kyle know... McCar I'm not making that comparison but, like, he, he is fantastic. Everyone questions with his size. Can he actually defend at the NHL level? Um, a team like Toronto would definitely swing at the first round be like, we let's see what happens, you know, like, so. You know what that sounds like to me? Like, the, the, I, the doctor says
0: I'm going to grow another two inches. What? That sounds like when you were a kid and you'd hear somebody be like, no, I have a girlfriend. They just go to a different school. <laughs> Like that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs>
1: Look, I um like I'm not trying to like dump on Lane Hudson here. <laughs> it, nah, it, it, it kind of sounds... I, I I disagree, but it's a hilarious analogy. And yeah. I love Lane Hudson's just uh I until it happens, I, I, it'll make me laugh. I know. I was um, like, I hope to god he grows. I mean, like that's really the only thing. He he doesn't he doesn't have uh like Dominic Fensori wheels. That's probably the biggest even though I think he's going to the same college as Dominic Fensori, is. isn't he? He so, is, but he's he's a fall 2023 recruit. Um. So I was going to say to you, like, that's the biggest difference. I think Fensori uh, had the wheels. I think Hudson is better in the offensive zone, though. Yeah, Hudson.
0: Um, Hudson. It actually doesn't say on elite prospects where he's playing next year. Um. He he's. He was drafted by Kingston in the OHL, but I would imagine he's going to the USHL in some capacity.
1: We'll find out. I, You know, one of the hardest things is figuring out uh, when they change their uh, their year of entry. Like Seamus Casey was one that was a 23-24, um, but then changed it this, to 22-23. So, yeah, and some you know, of it he,
0: depends on, like, colleges like and, you know, obviously teams signing – players from those teams from those college teams so
1: agree well i'm going the exact opposite way i'm going for a guy that was like five seven a few like maybe years ago and now is a behemoth of a defenseman i'm going owen pickering for montreal at 26 um really it's just uh it's a home run pick for me it's it's all raw tools um, he's a great carry-out defenseman. I feel like he's still kind of learning to play within his body. Um, his passing decisions were always great. He tried to make a lot of stretch passes that didn't connect. Um, but there's a lot through the eye test that says this kid has a lot of skill. He's got a lot of size. He can skate really well. He's not a bad defenseman, um, that let him, let him finish his WHL career and see where he lands. And if you're patient with Owen Pickering, I think you can land a top four, Defenseman who could be playing on your power play someday.
0: Yeah, that's my take as well. Um, he is a good player. I, I think Jordan and uh Jordan said it first and I kind of adopted it, but Pickering really is a what-if player and one of the biggest ones in this draft. Because if he hits, like like you said, it's gonna be huge. But if if he doesn't, then you're kind of left wondering what if. So my next pick with Arizona. Arizona already has um, David Juracek, so they've got a top defenseman. Now they need a forward, and I picked Rutger McGroerty at uh, 27th overall. I feel like this is the best pick, all things considered. So, yeah, McGroerty is a good player. He's going to college, so it's it's going to be a little while before we see him playing for the Coyotes, but he's another player from the NTDP that I think could see, you know, a pretty solid uptick in production and development, and eventually be a, a solid middle six forward.
1: I love his moxie. I think his attitude when he's on the ice uh, is fantastic. His uh, his you know talking to people who were at um, the uh, combine, like one of their favorite interviews was Rucker. Rucker had a lot of personality. He was very authentic. And it shows on the ice, you know, there's a reason why he's the captain, you know, um, when they were down to goals, he was always the one who would step up, but he has skating deficiencies. We know that. Um, But I'm confident that he's going to find a way. Do you know what I mean? Like he's one of those players who just has that attitude that I would bet on.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Um, so I had Buffalo's last pick at number 28, which uh, I'm thankful Matt gave to me. So right now, Buffalo has Matthew Savoy. Buffalo has Brad Lambert. Uh, the one need we have is right-handed defenseman. You know, do I think this is the pick the Sabres are going to make? No, but it's a pick I want the Sabres to make, so I'm going with it. Going with Seamus Casey from the NTTP. Uh, at one time, he was at, in my top five to start the year. He's fallen a little bit to about my 15th, 16th ranked player. He's still probably my third or fourth ranked defenseman. Um, I love Seamus Casey. Greg Rivak and I talked a little bit. Greg Rivak wrote a great article about Seamus Casey, quoted my profile from Smart it about his end zone activation strategy. Um, Casey also is like, I don't know how to put this. I really do believe that, that Seamus Casey, if, Activated properly in the offensive zone is one of the best offensive defensemen in this class. His puck skill is better than Lane Hudson's.
0: Wow. I said
1: that. That's bold. I feel that's like that was that, very take-ish. That is, Um But that's I would say, craze. like. But he has great puck skill. He has great manipulation. His deceptive fakes at the blue line are amazing. Um, he, The way he can just scan, he scans constantly. He can make quick passes. Um, he presses when he's uh, a defense. He, he just suffocates space. Sometimes he doesn't move his feet and gets beat pretty easily uh, on a rush. But, you know, I, I can't think of a defenseman in this class that I fell like hard for in terms of like I really believe that they can be something great more than Seamus Casey so huge I'm I'm a huge fan um hoping the Sabres take him I doubt that he goes as the uh, as the first or even second uh NTDP defenseman off the board but um you know I I I truly believe he deserves it so um yeah I'm like okay Casey and uh kick it over to you for Edmonton so I actually just
0: kind of realized we have a huge run of NTDP players so Lane Hudson starts it off at 25 we have a break in at 26 with Pickering and then our next four picks are all from the NTDP so Edmonton um picks Jimmy Snuggerud again I just think this is a player that they could use I think with Seamus Casey off the board um their next best defenseman is arguably Ryan Chesley I like Vladimir Grenadin as well or Gretanin as well but I think
1: Snuggerud is more of an Edmonton pick I, uh, I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't disagree with this. Um, I think one of the things that Edmonton fans really desperately want is a defenseman. Um, but I really do think that what they could really use is some complimentary players as well. I think, you know, I, I don't think you can go wrong. I, I think you can't chase uh, free agent signings you regret. With draft picks, if that makes sense to you, Matt. Like, uh, so I, I, I I was, I almost applaud you. I had Snugroot in this range. I was looking at him for Arizona. Um, So when you took him, I was like, oh shoot, I'm scrambling. Um, (laughs) So, but I I do fast one on you. But I do think like adding some offense to Edmonton, especially since they're going to lose probably a forward this year as well. So I had Winnipeg at thirty. So um earlier i took frank nazar i'm gonna go defense here i'm gonna take ryan chesley um i'll be quick and easy with this one i think ryan chesley is a first round draft pick in this nhl draft whether i agree with it or not i think he's the top he's gonna play somewhere in the bottom four middle pairing bottom pairing right hand defenseman he has a little bit of offense to him if that offense develops maybe he becomes something great um but you know, he's one of those players I think is going to see NHL time. I think he's going to see at least 200 NHL games and he's going to play and you're going to feel good and comfortable that you picked him. And that's pretty much my take on Ryan Chesley.
0: So my last pick in this is 31 with Tampa Bay. And I feel like Tampa Bay is going to take a really smart route here and pick Vladimir Gretan in. He Russian players are so interesting because I think with, with the situation going on between Russia and Ukraine right now, you don't know what's going to happen with a lot of these Russian players. But Tampa's a team that they're in win-now mode. Obviously, they didn't win the Stanley Cup this year, but they still have a core that will remain somewhat intact this offseason. They can afford to wait on Gredanen. And I really like this pick.
1: You look a uh, huge, huge, huge bloody fan. fan. Um, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, Tampa Bay goes off the board. So I, if you're like sitting here being like, well, Bob McKenzie says, or consensus says this, like Tampa Bay doesn't care what you have to say. Um, so I think he's probably, he was the best defenseman Russia brought to the world juniors by far. And he was a draft el- eligible defenseman. I think Tampa Bay would do a lot worse than do that. I have the last pick of the first round. Should I go right to it, Matt? I think you should. So, uh, last pick. So Arizona right now has Rucker McRory. They have David Juracek. I'm going to go to the OHL. I'm going to go to the center position. I'm going to chase that I'm going. They're going to go after a second line center to play to next year when they hopefully get Fantilli or Bedard and go for David Goyette. Um, David Goyette's my second best forward out of the OHL this year. Um, Pretty far and away. I think Jordan would agree with that. Super slippery, super fast, processes the game very, very well, uh, gets pucks where they need to be, can score. His team was not very good in the OHL, and yet he consistently was always on the score sheet, was about a point-per-game player. Um, I know people are going to sour on him, thinking he should have done more in the U18s, but I really think that that's not a best representation of what he was able to do all year for Sudbury. So, you know, David Goya, I I would take – I think he's a great pick in terms of like picking a player who has a lot of offensive potential and also someone who I think has the best chance to maybe play as a top six center on your team. especially a rebuilding team, like one that Arizona has, and hopefully with another year, him and Bedard or him and Fantilli would be able to enter the league at the same time.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't have any arguments. I was actually when Corey Pronman did the mock draft, the NHL executive, I was shocked that Goyette fell to 60.
1: You know, we could talk for days about all the stuff that's come out about the draft. Um, I think one of the hardest parts for me is just the different valuations between what people see. You know, and I feel like our biases are really showing uh, and I'm going to put my own biases out there. I feel like I align with some people a lot closer than other people. You know, size is not a big factor for me for defensemen. Um, you know, uh, neither is size a big factor for me for me for forwards. You know, so it's it, it gets if it is a if it's the differentiating factor for you, it it totally differentiates how you look at the entire draft.
0: Yeah. No arguments. Again, like I said, this is exactly how the draft is going to play out. No use debating it. (laughs) No, but seriously, (laughs) this was a lot of fun. It's just our quick stab at what the NHL draft is going to look like before some team, more than likely Columbus at number 12 overall, just decides to go ahead and say, screw you Matt and Austin i'm gonna pick a player you've never heard of and Matt, is
1: there any player that we didn't draft in this first round that you thought like hey they're going to be in this first round no matter what because the lean is hands down the one we didn't draft and i'm like he's going to be in first round.
0: is the other one because i think teams are going to salivate at the thought of a six seven defenseman yeah but um other than that <sighs>
1: yeah I don't I don't I, I agree with you. I hear the side and I'm like, those two are the the the, the only ones I think, like everyone else that could enter. I'm like, yeah, they could be, but I wouldn't say guaranteed.
0: Right. You could make an argument for um someone like Gleb Gleb Trikazov, to be in there. But again, with the Russian players not being as uh, prevalent or teams might hesitate to draft those Russian players. Maybe you could even see a guy like Owen Beck coming into the late, late stages of the first round. Um, Callie Adelius, that's another one that you mentioned that earlier, that your garden could have four first round picks. Um, Other than that, though, I think we're pretty much there. I don't really see any other dub players sneaking into the first round. Um, That's that's my territory. I don't think there's any other players yeah i mean there. nathan
1: Gaucher is probably the only one i can think of that has a number universe-
0: knows another player that would probably i don't think first yeah. round. i
1: don't think he does i just
0: people see we don't like him for for because he's boring no,
1: i know what you're saying but i just don't see if he, i see
0: an nhl team taking him
1: i think do. he's an early second round pick i really i, I think he's an early i i I just, we just did going through our mock draft. Like, he might take Glenn Hudson's spot, he'll take Seamus Casey's spot. There's a few players I could see him. Uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, Matt. You, you he could totally fall at that bottom half of the first, that last t- five, ten picks right there. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our mock draft. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this. Um, Austin. Yeah, It's been a pleasure. I think we're going to take a break next week. We'll come back after the draft occurs. I'll also probably hopefully have some comments on the players the Hurricanes drafted. Um, Unfortunately, their development camp, all of their times are during the day. And uh, I work. So I'm going to try and find streams. If I can't, then we'll see what happens. But as always, folks, thank you for listening. Have fun. Draft time is always a bunch of fun. So if you're going to the draft, awesome. Have fun. Matt, where can they find you? you. They can find me at MattSoma12 on Twitter or at Canes Prospects if you really want to hear about the Hurricanes Prospects. Awesome. where the heck can they find you?
1: I have a ton coming out, and like I feel like I'm a freelance writer this the last couple of weeks. So, Bmaster716 um, is my Twitter handle. Die by the blade, expected Buffalo. I'm on the uh, the charging Buffalo draft guide. We we did a about 120 page draft guide for the Sabres. It's pretty massive. So, uh, go check it out. If you have anything, any questions, even if you're not a Sabres fan, there's about probably about 60 to 70 players profiled. So. Oh, it's been a massive season for us. I know uh, Matt and I are kind of, we, it's, we're It's we not out of the weeds yet. Um, but, you know, it's been, this, I, we're really excited for next week. And honestly, good luck to any teams that you're rooting for, uh, any players you're rooting for. Um, and, you know, as always, keep your stick on the ice. If you're Montreal, <laughs> if you're Montreal,
0: I hope that you draft Tristan Luno first overall and that you have nothing but misery. Bye. Uh. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.